welcome to Calming Confectionery. This podcast is for busy women just like you who tend to binge watch television as a way to decompress. But then after you've binge watched, you realize that you still feel as stressed as you did before. If this is you, come join me, your host, Janina Hamilton, as we discuss the benefits of having a creative hobby to decompress. So when I started this podcast back, I decided that I wanted to help other women that were just like me. I know that for a long time, I've struggled with perfectionist tendencies, just general type A type thing. So when I started it back, I was sharing the things that I learned to help myself to cope as well as the things that my husband has helped me to come to see about who I am and what I have to offer the world. And so I wanted to help other women with those types of things. Well, just full disclosure, I have been severely tested to my perfectionist tendencies over the last five weeks. This is because over the last five weeks, um, my husband was in the hospital for nearly four. So that put a lot of what my mind thinks as what life should be on pause. So I figured I would come and tell you the story as well as tell you the things that I've done, not on my own, not just on my own. I did have the help of my husband, um, the help of prayer, Bible reading and study, and really good friends who encouraged me. But here's what happened. So we're gonna back up about a year and a half And in November of 2020, my husband had something called a spontaneous pneumothorax. So November 2020 was, man, the height of COVID, right? Kind of somewhere in there. But to the point where if someone was in the hospital, you really couldn't go and visit them. So we were here at the house and I think he just felt like he was just short of breath. We thought maybe it was just fall allergies. And then over time, it just kept getting worse. His breathing was labored and it just wasn't, it just wasn't what it should be. And Then I started to get scared and he started to get scared. And so we went to the hospital, took him to the hospital. Now he does also have um, sickle cell anemia. So we go to a place where 
they can treat the pain that he's in and get him to come home. Now that place is an hour away from where we live. So I got in the car with him and we drove to that hospital. And when they did an x-ray, they said that his right lung had completely collapsed and it was working on the left one. So we were pretty close to just right there at the brink of it being too late. So they put in a chest tube, they kept him for like a day and a half, and that air bubble, that pocket on his lung that had burst, it healed, and he was able to come home in just a couple of days. So fast forward to, I believe the date was April 28th of this year, and we went to the grocery store. Actually, I said, I want some ice cream. And so we went to the local Dairy Queen and the line was too long in the drive-thru. So I was like, you know what? I, you know what? Let's just go to Kroger and get a pint of ice cream and I'll be that. And that's fine. Um, well, my dad called while we were circling the Dairy Queen. And so he was on his way to work. We stopped. We chatted with him for a second in the Kroger parking lot. And then we went inside Kroger got some ice cream, got some junk food. And as we were walking out, he said that it felt like someone had just stabbed him in the back. And he drove home. He said it. he was starting to feel a little short of breath. And I could notice, I noticed that his arm, his right arm was being favored and he said he was in a ton of pain so he was like you know what let me just lay down have some water maybe it's just like some pollen because you know our pollen count is ridiculous here right now so maybe it's just the pollen and I can just work it out well in like 15 or 20 minutes after being home, he could hardly breathe. I had to call the ambulance for them to come and take him to the hospital. It's like 9.30 at night or something like that. It's crazy. So they came, they put oxygen on him, took him to the hospital. Um, I called my in-laws. I called my parents. Um... I actually rode in the ambulance, but they don't allow you in the back anymore. So I made the ambulance driver talk to me because I knew I just could not sit in that ambulance, not saying anything, not knowing what else was going on. But the paramedic that was in the back did say that he was um, saturating fine. He had okay oxygen saturation and that his vitals were doing okay so I at least knew that but when we got to the hospital he just he could not breathe it was very I, I don't even know how to describe it um 
but it was hard. It was very hard to see. So they did a quick x-ray. They confirmed that his lung had collapsed. So they put in a chest tube to get the air from out of the lung cavity so that the lung could start to expand again so that he could take in a full breath and expand the lung. So, you know, we were just totally under the assumption that it would be like November 2020 that he would go in, they would do the chest tube, he'd stay for a day or two or maybe three, and then we could come home and get back to life. Well, that's not what happened. And it was just so unexpected that um, it totally threw both of us off. And for me, because I have a bookkeeping business, everything fell right at the end of the month. Now, my clients expect certain things from me, reports and all of that at the beginning of the month, you know, the first 10 days or so. So as his hospital stay went longer, my brain started to freak out. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, how am I going to work? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Because I generally work with two monitors because I have to see numbers and bank statements and all of that. And it wasn't that I wasn't focused on being there supporting my husband because of the situation, but that whole how life should be and the routine that my brain has created for me, I had to fight against that. So I went ahead and I told my clients that my husband was in the hospital. So that was one of the things that I did do and just let them know that I am still here. I'm not going to disappear, but I have a higher priority than them at the moment. So most of them, actually all of them were totally supportive. They would they were telling me that they would pray for us and everything. So that told me again that I was worrying for no reason. Just worrying for no reason because I have made up in my mind what I should be doing when when you let other people know what's going on, they can be supportive of where you are. So remember that and take that to heart and just let people know where you are in the moment so that you can release that how life should be when something more important does come up. So his hospital stay did end up being about eight days. So that was fine. It was 
exhausting because we didn't expect it to be that long. But the air leak healed. We were happy. We went home. And we were home for 10 days. After those 10 days, it happened again. And I was sitting at my desk because I had actually gotten up a little bit early and it was, as I told you, you know, the beginning of the month. So I was working on um, getting those things ready to deliver to my clients. And um, he came out of the room and he said that he yawned and he sat up and he felt like like a balloon had expanded and popped and that he was having a little bit of a hard time breathing so if you've ever been to the hospital or know anybody that had has been in the hospital or had any type of respiratory issues you know there's this thing called an incentive spirometer and he had been doing that and had been doing it very well. His lung had been full capacity. You know, it would have been doing really well. So when that happened, he tried to do it and it was about a thousand lower than he had been able to do. So you're like, well, put on some clothes and I will call 911. So I called 911 and they came. It ended up being the same ambulance driver. Um, they tested some things and at this point I was kind of I was a little more prepared, I guess, sad to say. Um, but I was able to drive to the hospital because we knew what was happening. So they took him to the hospital. I had, I actually packed a bag for a couple of days and I drove, got there, confirmed another air leak in his lung and they had to put in another chest tube so that was eight days at the end of april beginning of may and then may 16th he had another chest tube put in so you know there was a whole lot of talk of surgery the first time the beginning of the one at the end of April. And it was going to be too rushed. Um, first of all, he has sickle cell anemia. So that means a low blood count. Uh, any type of trauma will put him into a more painful crisis or a painful crisis which could also affect the blood count. And we are Jehovah's Witnesses. 
So we do not accept blood. So all of those things said, he's not having surgery right now. Let's get the air leak resolved. And then we can visit surgery after we've had conversations and blood building medical options and and all of that so within the 10 days that he was home he did have a regular doctor's visit and we had started that process with his hematologist so it happened again before surgery could be scheduled so when it happened mid-may the doctor wasn't quite as cooperative as we had hoped so we were just hoping again that the air leak would resolve and then we could get surgery scheduled well a few days went by we did some research some of our friends did some research and uh, we actually had found another um, surgeon that could possibly do the surgery, but we never heard back. And in the meantime, this original doctor did his own research, apparently. And he now said that he could do a bloodless surgery to repair his air leak. So we were absolutely thrilled by that. So every time he would come in, he would be like, are you ready? Do you want to do surgery? And we're like, yes, let's do the surgery because we need to get this taken care of. Well, the air leak didn't resolve. They at one point were talking about sending him home with the chest tube if the air leak resolved and then he could come back with um with that chest tube and have surgery and there was all kinds of of things um he had a ct scan that also showed that there was part of his lung that was um infarcted from sickle cell um sickling in the vessels all kinds of things happened and then again month end <laughs> Month in happened again, and my my brain exploded. <laughs> I had already told my clients once about what happened, and I just decided that I wasn't going to this time. I was going to figure out how to do what I could do. And even not telling them, no one was worried. <laughs> um. I guess part of that is that I've created a communication and a reputation with my clients to let them know that I will get them their reports. I will have their meetings. I will do everything that I need to for them when I say I will. So no one was worried. No one knew any different. So I say that to say, um, be open. Be
be communicative, but also talk to yourself. I've had to talk to myself, talk to Chris, because I started getting really stir crazy because it ended up being 18 days that he was in the hospital the second time. So it was two weeks, two days, he had surgery, and then another two days before he came home. So when I am recording this, or as this is going to be published, he will have been home for six days. So just what he told me was, your clients know who you are, what you've done for them, and what kind of work that you do. So don't worry about it. Just know and trust yourself and trust that when all of this is over, that you can go back to the routine that you've created that helps you to work for them. Also, to take a step back and look at the big picture that as a wife, I am a wife first. I am a business owner and a bookkeeper next. Maybe not even next. (laughs) Down the road. And that it is important for me to hone in on my mental health so that I can be as good for them when all of it's over as I was before. So even now, um, on Monday, I, I wrote this list of all of the things that I needed to do, and I didn't do all of them. It was hard for me mentally a little bit, not to do all of them, but I also realized that writing that arrow on my planner page and assigning it a different day was going to make me have a clearer head, be more focused, and do a better job for my clients and for my volunteer ministry. Because if I didn't do that, then I could start making mistakes. And then that reputation that I've created as being dependable could be tarnished. So thank you. Thank you for that, Chris. <laughs> um, I also talked to my mom and, you know, she, I was talking to her on Monday and it was like two o'clock or something in the afternoon. And I was so tired because I had tried to get as much done as possible, but she could hear in my voice that I was tired and that I was sleepy and that I really needed to just go lay back down. (laughs) So I did, I did. And I came back to my planner and that's when I moved some stuff to the next day. I did the same thing. Today is Tuesday. And I thought that I would have the energy to, do more today, but I did not. So I wrote another 
arrow in my planner and I will take care of that another day this week. So the things that I would normally do all on Monday in my business are going to take me all week and that is okay and I am just quite frankly proud of myself for listening to my husband, my mother, um, and just feeling the thoughts, the prayers, the text messages that I have received from friends and family to encourage me to rest and to take care of myself. So I say all of this to say to you that know that taking care of yourself mentally, taking care of your family is more important than taking care of everyone else. So step back from what you think life should be, especially in moments of emergency, of non-routine, of out of your control. So do that and you will see that doing that will help you to do what you want to do those hobbies, those things that bring you joy, which by the way, I did start uh, hand lettering while he was in the hospital. I now do that every day after lunch. So if you follow me on Instagram at Calming Confectionary, you will see every day I will post me writing the date at the top of a hand lettering page because that's my new thing. I am hand lettering. That was part of the distraction and I wanted to do it for a long time. So, hey, look, I was there. I couldn't work like I wanted to. I didn't really need to be working anyways, but I could do something that still brought me joy. So one of the things that I had tried to do was keep up with stretching every day after I woke up. That was not attainable there. So I did something else that allowed me to do what I wanted to do. So think of something in the midst of whatever emergency or unplanned, uncontrolled circumstance that you find yourself in. Do what you want to do so that you can do what you need to do better.